Well, good morning, everyone. You are on the Monday morning commute. Hopefully, if you're listening at another time, it's okay. But welcome to this special episode of You've Got This. I have a special guest here for those that can see her. This is Brenna Kate Simons. Not Simmons, Simons. It rhymes with diamonds. diamonds. I love that. That's the best explanation. <laughs> Brenna, you work for a very uh, important and an interesting organization that helps people deal with uh, same-sex attraction as well as body dysmorphia. I think that that is such a relevant thing, I think, all throughout history, but especially now, uh, just seeing the trends and movements that are happening within society. Oftentimes, this can be a topic that churches don't really want to touch. Uh, or they deal with it in extreme ways. I always feel like it's the unfortunate aspect of Christianity sometimes. We either swing completely to the right or to the left, and there's really not this, what I call the grace approach and the middle ground Mm -hmm. approach. Um, So today we are going to be talking about the, I always find it hard to give the proper terminology. Uh, You shared some great quotes with us today. There is a sermon listed, so if you look on the sermons, you'll see Brenna's uh, sermon today, which was excellent, by the way, so thank, thank you. you. <laughs> um, but um, you just referred to it because of research that you were dealing with with LGBT mm-hmm. community, but yep. it goes longer than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't, I'm going to just like let you jump in and talk about this special calling that you have. Mm-hmm. You know, how did this calling develop, number one? But we're going to kind of flesh this out together, and we're going to handle a few topics, hopefully within the time that we have. If we don't, we're going to have to do a second episode (laughs) uh, of this podcast. But we we do want to talk about those that are dealing with same-sex attraction for those that are viewing. We have people viewing in New England, but also from different parts of the world. We want to be a great resource to them through your ministry, which is vital to people. Another thing is we know that there are people that have friends and family that are struggling with Mm same-sex attraction. You know, how do we go about that? And then lastly, for me as a pastor, the hot topic, based on a great statistic you gave today, which we'll explain that, and I really would love you to elaborate on that further, Mm -hmm. is how do we, and, and I would say, again, I'm this person of like, I like things being in order and being proper. How do we, in a proper way, embrace those from the LBGQT plus community Mm -hmm. that would love to return to church, but definitely feel that there are barriers and things in the way of that. So, so, you know, how do we help people do that? But then how do we as a church respond to that? Now, those are three loaded guns, I would say. Let's just kind of take one (laughs) at a time. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, why don't you just kind of introduce yourself a little bit, give a quick synopsis of your background and testimony, and then about your ministry that's been going for 20 years. And if people, if you can see her, when you look at her, it looks like she started the ministry when she was eight. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they can't, the angle, you can't see yes, the Yes, exactly. Well, why don't you tell us just a little bit more about yourself? That would be great. Sure. So I'm Brenna Kate Simons. I, I am 47 years old. So yes, I actually did start working with the ministry when I was quite young. And I became the director before I was 30 wow. of Alive in Christ. Yep. And yet we, we offer hope to individuals, families, and churches who are impacted by same-sex attraction and gender dysphoria. I think you said body dysphoria. I'm sorry, yeah, I said that incorrectly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gender dysphoria. And we, so a little bit more about me before we jump right into that. I, at age 15, started wrestling with my sexuality. I was not raised in a Christian home, so I didn't necessarily have any prohibitions against, No. you know, no one told me that homosexuality was a sin or anything like that. In fact, when I did eventually come out to my father, his response was very loving. I was raised in my teenage years from 
a single dad, by a okay. single dad. And, um, you know, lived as a gay person for almost a decade. And at the tail end of that, became a believer in Jesus Christ. Again, still had another lesbian relationship after I became a Christian. Really wrestled with that. Shared in the, I think in the second service today, how my that last woman um, ended that relationship. And at that moment, I, I remember the date, March 9th, 2000. I just, I drew a line in the sand and I said, okay, Jesus, I'm going to follow you no matter what the cost. And I'm going to lay down this identity that I've really built my life upon. I'm going to lay it down at the cross and see what, what you could possibly do with, with this life. Mm -hmm. I think what you're expressing just from your mm -hmm. own testimony, and it's almost like on the one end, it's the taboo topic mm -hmm. of like, is it ultimately the plan and purpose of God that people are transformed coming out of that lifestyle? And I think that that's where people mainly wrestle because really what you're saying is like you came out of that lifestyle. Uh, when you first became a believer, you were in that lifestyle, but then eventually you had to make this clear kind of mark of delineation of this is what it genuinely means for me to be mm -hmm. a Christian according to the Bible. Mm -hmm. How did that moment happen and how do you communicate that to people that are viewing mm -hmm. that do deal with same-sex attraction? And again, I think when I hear the term same-sex attraction, it kind of makes it like out here uh, to really personalize it for people, for people that genuinely feel that their identity and their sexual preference is valid and they are homosexuals or lesbians mm -hmm. or transgenders, you know, they, they feel strongly about those things. And I'm sure you did too. Yep. So yep. can you just kind of elaborate further on that yeah. for those that are watching or listening? Yep. In fact, use the term sexual preference, but most people would call it an orientation because mm -hmm. it gives the implication that this is who I am. This is how I've always felt. No. Probably I was born this way. And those no. are all things I felt as no. well. No. I, I give the example when we... We don't use the term preferences because preference can change. Okay. And, yeah. and you know, for LGBT people, they feel like this is who they are. And that's how I felt as well, mm -hmm. you know. Now I've lost track of the question. <laughs> no, that's okay. Like being in that lifestyle. Yeah. And that is your orientation. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of people, it's like, okay, so that means when I come to Jesus, all of a sudden that orientation has to be different. Mm -hmm. That personally, to me, seems very daunting for someone. Right. So like what you know, how did you experience that personally mm -hmm. for yourself? And for those that are viewing, it's almost like, okay, so does mean coming to Christ that that lifestyle is then over? You know, like what does right. what does that look like? I guess yeah. I want to kind of specify that a little no, bit more. Yes, and that's good because it actually brings me back to when I first went to college. I actually started at a university in New Hampshire. And I had a woman, so I, I have a degree in, I have a bachelor's degree in classical voice. So and you sing beautifully, by the oh, way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you, you have what you, they call it your studio. You okay. all study under the same teacher and you get to know these people really well. And okay. one of the young ladies in the studio was Catholic. And I remember talking to her about being gay and asking what the Catholic Church taught about that. And she said, well, it's not the being gay part that's a problem. It's the practicing. Yeah. Which to me sounded like such a funny term, yeah. right? <laughs> but when I became a, like, practicing, like, practice makes perfect, I don't... Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Like, we could go a lot of places <laughs> yeah, yeah, with that. Yeah. I just, you know... And I appreciate it. She did it gently. Yeah. She did it openly. And the reason I was asking her is because she was waiting 
till she was married to have sex, which was again, such a foreign concept to me that I was asking her all these questions. And I, I don't even remember this young lady's name. She was a very good singer though, but (laughs) I was wanting to thank her for just being kind about it. But I will say when I did become a believer in January of 1999, I went to a small school, 750 students, and there was one Christian fellowship. So I got involved in the Christian fellowship. I started going to a women's Bible study. And I asked the Bible study leader to show me in scripture what it said about homosexuality. No. You know, back then there was no BibleGateway.com or apps on your no, phone. No. There you you could look in the Strong's Concordance, but even that you wouldn't necessarily find everything no. you were looking for. No. And so she showed me. And in that moment, that would have been like probably around spring-ish of 99. I felt like the Bible was clear. I didn't feel like there was a question about what God's creative intent was, what Mm -hmm. his design was for sexuality. Now, in that moment, being a brand new believer, Mm -hmm. that did not feel hard to accept. (laughs) Okay. But by the end of that first year, and also meeting someone mm-hmm. who I honestly really wanted to help. Uh, I was, my intention was not to get into a relationship with this woman, but then entering into a relationship with her. So even in that relationship, I still knew this wasn't what God wanted for my life. No, but it was like having to make a decision again, that line in the sand, mm-hmm. which came when she ended the relationship. And I said, okay, you know, okay, God, we're not doing this again. Not that we were doing it in the first place, but no. God, we're not doing this again. No. And having to really grapple with that. Yeah. And I, you mentioned it too, as we talk about orientation and identity, these are words that are highly charged yep. in our society. I almost feel like church lingo and the lingo of that community clash together. Yep. So it's kind of finding this common ground in that lingo. But you said it very succinctly, and I said it a few weeks ago. My wife and I did one on... Um, sexuality and intimacy within marriage. So Mm -hmm. I had to frame that properly. I did tell the viewers at that time you would be coming and we would be talking about sexuality (laughs) that is not monogamous within the context of marriage between a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. So again, we understand that there is a lot more sexuality happening Mm -hmm. outside of the context of marriage. However, God's design, according to the scripture, Mm -hmm. is a healthy uh, kind of um, blossoming sexuality within the context of marriage for those who are married. Mm -hmm. I think you said that nicely today. Like the end all be all is not romance and sex. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to her message, I loved it. You know, it's not the Mm -hmm. Cinderella type scenario, Mm -hmm. but there are a lot of people who are not living that Cinderella type scenario in any way, shape or form. And they are dealing with orientations. They're dealing with strong feelings and Mm -hmm. desires. Really the sex drive is a drive. Mm -hmm. That terminology does not lie. So people feel so strongly about these things. Like, what what do you do with that? Mm -hmm. You know, we know, okay, the Bible says this, but what happens when you're here, you know, at this level? Like, the biblical level is the standard, but your life is not at that standard. Right. You know, how do we approach that? Does God come down to your level? Does the scripture, do you come up to that level? How do you do that? You know, that's always interesting to me how that works. Yeah, so just to share what I said in the in the message, our our belief at Alive in Christ and what I think is the biblical directive, what I believe is the biblical directive is that God created sexual intimacy 
to be expressed between one man and one woman who've committed to each other for a lifetime in marriage. No. So that means that in singleness, mm-hmm. we practice chastity. No. This is my friend Christopher Ewan who says this. Yeah. In singleness, chastity. In marriage, faithfulness. Yes. Yep. And that's the directive for everyone. Yeah. And it seems like the unicorn, though, to a lot yes, of people. Yes, I know. So talk to me about <laughs> the non-unicorn world. Well. <laughs> and, and how does that world... How does that transform? How does that become different? What, you know, how does that... I, I know you said like a moment happened and you drew that line. Again, I don't think that was easy for you. No, the drawing the line was actually easier than what came after. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So kind of walk us yeah. through, what does that after like look like for people? Why would it even be worth it? Yeah. You know, I think that that's also what I want to get at here. Like yeah. for someone to do that is really quite a sacrifice. Yes. So it's so interesting you ask that because um. We're recording this on a Sunday morning, and on Friday I spoke at a youth group. And I talked about self-denial. Because self-denial is at the heart of the gospel. And we don't like that. We don't like that term. It's not a term that fits in our society anymore. No. In fact, I shared a story. This was in 2012. I was speaking at a a good-sized conference in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And I was interviewed for Minnesota Public Radio. Oh, wow. Okay, you can still find <laughs> in, it out In Minnesota, there you betcha. <laughs> <laughs> the New Englander in Minnesota. Right. So they, the interviewer asked me, aren't you just denying yourself yes. by being in this heterosexual marriage, which yep. at that point I had been in for 10 years? And I said, marriage in its definition of monogamy is about self-denial. Yeah. Like you're fixating on the fact that I can't be with a woman, mm-hmm. but I I literally committed when marrying to not be with anyone. Yeah. And a better term for self-denial would be surrender yeah. and or submission. We don't like yeah. that term either, but surrender is kind of the happy place It seems place a little there. nicer. Yeah, it just yeah. seems nicer. Yeah. But it's not easier. No, not at all. I think whatever it is that the Bible is calling us to, it requires surrender on our part and a total dependence mm-hmm. on the Spirit of Jesus, who we call the Holy Spirit, to help us to be able to do that. He yeah. empowers us, but it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Yeah. It doesn't mean that sacrifice is not involved. And what I love that you mentioned about same-sex attraction was in the beginning phase for you, and I love the way you term it, it was like a swarm of bees. Mm-hmm. Killer That's bees. Killer bees, like kind of <laughs> running after you. Yes. And instead of living in this kind of like running from it, uh-huh. instead of it becoming not what I'm running from, but whom I'm running to. Mm-hmm. I love that. And again, I don't want to like kind of encapsulate things in cliches or philosophies on you got this we try not to do that but i think sometimes we need a framework to work Mm -hmm. with and what you really said is like it it really came down for you and i know you've ministered to many other people in the course of this last 20 years that one of the top priorities is when people are able to surrender to the love of christ Mm-hmm. That that is really a crux moment in that. That when you when you know that love, when you feel that love, when it's mm-hmm. no longer a head thing, but it sinks into the heart, that is really what makes the difference. Mm-hmm. Because if you know that there is 
this God that loves you so very much, that gave us all for you, yeah. then no matter what he's asking, because I think he asks every human being yeah. and all, every way, shape, and form to lay things down before him, mm-hmm. to submit, surrender, whatever terminology we want to use, self-denial, yep. that that is what he's asking of us. Yep. And that, um, again, I, I like the way you say it, no matter what we do in life, there is this aspect of self-denial and submission or surrender yep. that does go into that. Yeah, and I would, I don't know if you, I'm sure you have a Bible app on your phone, but in on Mark 8, it taught, is one of the places that it records Jesus saying that losing your life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel mm. is part of the kingdom of God. Be, and it he ends that little, that section by saying, you can gain the whole whole world, but you would forfeit your soul. No. So I don't know if you have Mark that. Mark eight thirty five. Yeah. In the ESV, it says, "For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel's will, and the gospel's will save it. Mm-hmm. For whoever wants." And then the NIV says, "For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it." Mm-hmm. And or we'll find it. And yeah, that's like yeah. in those moments after that line in the sand that we mm-hmm. keep talking about, was it hard? The hardest thing I've ever done. I'm sure. But I had to make a choice to trust mm-hmm. that this is how I was actually going to find my life. Yeah, yeah. And I guess for me too, and this is something that's a little bit different in New England than in other areas of the United mm-hmm. States, and so not to broad blanket everyone. I just know like I grew up in Providence, Rhode Island. Like, this was normal, like, mm-hmm. em- embracing people or going to school with people that were of all different sexual orientations. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't a movement. People were already doing that. Yeah. So, it's like, all the places where we're at now as a society are not a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. So, when churches or ministers or people are up in arms, I'm just like, I've been dealing with this since childhood of knowing this is, like, reality for people. Yeah. So, it's always been, um, you know, questions I've had in my own mind about this um, orientation and then how people not only come out of it, but I think sometimes the Christian reaction. And you have framed this very nicely because not only did you leave that lifestyle mm-hmm. or orientation, sorry, help me in the wording. That's okay. It's, so, um, yeah, none of them are great. I know. <laughs> I, I have to say, and obviously, I lived in the Netherlands and Amsterdam, which is really yeah. the capital of all of this. Yep. And so in the Dutch language, we have different words. So sometimes I'm using those words in English, which, yeah. which they're correct in Holland. They're not correct here yeah. in the United States. <laughs> so in any case, forgive me for some of the terminology, but I, I mean well in this. Um, I think sometimes I've seen people come out of that orientation. They surrender to Jesus, but in some cases they do marry. Mm-hmm. And so you have someone who lived that lifestyle or as their orientation now they have a, what I would consider then, a heterosexual orientation. Mm-hmm. And then people feel like, ooh, that is the crowning moment. Mm-hmm. Like a person who was gay, lesbian, trans, they've come back to what we would kind of call the original way that design, you design yes, of how yep, you were yep. supposed to be. And that's the moment. Like, you know, Brenna, you're married. You've got children. You, that is the icing on the cake. But that is not how you talk about this. No. And I do appreciate that. Can you elaborate on yeah. that a little bit further? Yeah, and I know I know I rub people the wrong way sometimes. This was probably ten years ago, nine well, or ten years I'm ago. I'm glad you do because I feel like the way you deal with it is realistic. Yeah, I was speaking to a group of women, and for some reason, the one woman's question was, "Well, aren't you straight now?" 
And I, my response was, why is that so important to you? Mm. Like, why is it so important to you that I use that label? And in fact, again, speaking at this youth mm. group on Friday night, a young lady came after me, came up to me after and said, but aren't you basically bisexual now? And just to be very clear, I don't identify as gay or bisexual, no. but I also don't like I don't identify as straight per se. No. Am I living my life heterosexually? Absolutely. No. But first of all, most of those terms are not in the Bible at all. And second of all, I identify as a child of God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like all that stuff, because yeah. part of that for me is all that stuff was so important to me yeah. at a time in my life. You know, there was a, a long time I, I called myself a lesbian identified bisexual because it wasn't that I had no attraction to males. Mm -hmm. I had very little, but... I had some, and so I felt like that needed to be recognized. But I identified as gay, and that's where I found my romantic and sexual fulfillment no, was no. in lesbian relationships. And yes, I know some people look at my life and they say, well, you changed. And by God's grace, I have. I'm definitely, I would never mm -hmm. deny that. But we can't say this is God's best for everyone. No. You know? I know people who have um, stayed, you know, celibate. You know, in that um, they they could not enter into a heterosexual relationship. Mm -hmm. It just could not. Like they just did not want to link themselves to any sexual activity anymore. Mm -hmm. And I, I find that quite a price, mm -hmm. you know, for someone to pay. But they said, "Listen, if this is what I need to do to follow Jesus, I'm doing this." Mm -hmm. And that uh, that I think that sh not shocks me. The word shock is probably too. I'm I'm kind of. I think extremely empathetic to them mm -hmm. in that. Like that's a very honest response. Yeah. I saw this more often in Holland than anything of that. People just felt like in, in a world where it's so highly accepted, they just wanted to live single yeah. and connected to Jesus. And that's it Right. for themselves. And that was quite a lifestyle to yeah. live, you know, because of that. But you, you emphasize that nicely, like relationships, no matter what context they're in, mm -hmm. they do not complete you. Mm -hmm. They do not fulfill you. Right. And the Christian message is Christ fills you. Yeah. Christ completes you. And even the whole concept of identity in the New Testament, which I love the New Testament, mm -hmm. because it's grappling with this world that's trying to like kind of put people in all these categories. Mm -hmm. Jewish, non-Jewish, slave, yeah. free, male, female. And not that the scripture wants to create ambiguity, because I know a lot of people feel like, where are you going with this statement? But I think when we come to know Christ... And when we are, like your organization, kind of alive in Christ, mm -hmm. that, that, that life comes in us, we are no longer defined mm -hmm. and kind of put into barriers or blockades of the things that once defined us in our past. Right. And you have expressed that of your identity before, which felt very comfortable to you, was being a lesbian. But now you have a new identity, which is even more important to you. Yes. And you said that one of the major identities for you is, I am a child of God. Mm -hmm. When did that revelation happen for you? Yeah. And what did that feel like? I'm so curious about that. Yeah. And it's interesting you should ask that because I remember early on, I needed to fill out an application for, for something, a Christian something, you know, and it, it said, what is your sexual orientation? And I remember just sitting there, like staring <laughs> at that question. You it's know, like the like Jeopardy theme song came on. Ago, do, right? do, do, do. Uh, and it's, I, 
Well, I would say two things. There was a song that we sang like 20 years ago called Knowing You. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but oh, it's yeah. like there's no greater thing. Yeah. You're, and it comes from Philippians 3, yeah. where Paul says all the things that I consider to be so important, like yeah. he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, yeah. all of these things, he considers them all loss yeah, for the, for sake, the of, sake of knowing Jesus. Yeah, well said. In fact, he says, I consider them rubbish wow. for the sake of knowing you, yeah. knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. And, and you know, I used to have that whole passage memorized, but that's what I remember right now. But it's like the things, the song says, all I once held dear, built my life upon. Yeah. You know, not everything falls away compared to the surpassing greatness, which is what Paul says in Philippians 3, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Yeah. And all the things that I built my life upon, they fall away at at the cross, and yes, was it a process? Yes. No. Is it still a process? Yes, because I'm I'm not in heaven. No. <laughs> I've not been perfected no. or and perfectly I think that's holy. the truth and the reality of what you portray, and I think people need to hear that. Yeah. These things are processes. Yeah. Where God's uh, word and His Holy Spirit work within us as mm -hmm. individuals, because you yeah. did not like when you came to faith in Jesus, as you so poignantly shared with us today in the services was the people who originally told you about Christ, they were not trying to uh, kind of pigeonhole you in this topic of lesbianism. Mm -hmm. it, they were really just trying to show you what the love of Christ looked like. Yeah. And I think people are afraid of that love, mm -hmm. you know, because again, with all of these movements, it's about love, 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 love people for their love. Blah, blah, blah. And I think that can be daunting because the language of love can look different you know, from two different ways. It's almost like sometimes, and I know this was more true of kind of the pride parade in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like about love. It was more about eroticism. Yes. And I don't want to be so black and white, but if you ever saw it, and we lived in the middle of the city, it was all about flaunting your sexuality. It was all about being erotic. Mm -hmm. um, to me, that is not the love that the Bible is talking about. Yeah. It's talking about what we refer to as like the unconditional, unmerited, unadulterated love of God. Mm -hmm. And so when we receive that love into our hearts, it does transform us. It does mm -hmm. do something different for us. Yeah. But how do we love as Christians? There are those that are watching. They've got family. They have friends, yep. uh, coworkers. Uh, people, uh, I know our students that watch, you're going to school with young people mm -hmm. that identify as all different things now. I mean, it's so, I think it, it's almost like a buffet of mm -hmm. sexuality, a buffet of being uh, that's very diverse. How do we respond in the love of Christ to that world? You yeah. know, how did the people respond to you? Mm -hmm. How do you respond to others? And how do you kind of keep a biblical love mm -hmm. while dealing with and dealing? I hate that word. Um, really in ministering. The word ministering kind of has this idea of just like a nurse or a doctor would mm. treat and care for a patient. Mm -hmm. uh, we want to treat and care for those that want to know the love of Christ, but mm -hmm. just feel a hindrance in doing so. Yeah. So interestingly, I would, I kind of want to back up to something you yeah, said please. a minute ago sure. that relates to this. Yeah. You talked about how in the church, you know, in terms of sexuality and expression of sexuality well christ is meant to be number one i yes. don't i don't remember exactly actually you said in christianity i remember no. christ is meant to be number one but the thing that i've heard from people dealing with same-sex attraction who are identifying as gay 
considering coming to church. What they see is how marriage and family centric the church is. Okay. And, you know, I have a, a friend who is in his 30s, a gay man, and he says, where do I fit into that picture? Mm-hmm. Where am I going to spend Christmas morning? <laughs> yeah, no, very real. And in terms of yeah. like reaching out and loving well, the LGBT people in our sphere of influence, those are the questions we need to be asking ourselves. Yeah. When, when we have a training, one of the last things I share is remember that the gospel is good news. Yeah. And it's good <laughs> news for everyone. Yes, everyone. But... The cost that it requires of some people mm-hmm. is greater. Yeah. It just is. Yeah. And for for LGBT people like myself who built my life around being gay and and I'm not but who've lived this life and believe that's the only way they're going to ha- experience romantic love or experience yeah. marriage. Remember what you're asking of them. Yeah. <laughs> compared to for some of us when we came to Christ there was very little that we had to lay down, at least initially. No. There was not perhaps some big identity issue or something that felt like we were born this way or this was part of who we are that we had to lay down. Mm-hmm. And and I think we need to recognize that first no. um, as a first step. Certain things, too, that you said, and I, I do appreciate that. You know, in Western culture, what is unfamiliar or what we don't like, we reject right away, mm-hmm. and we don't want to engage in healthy dialogue with it. In Eastern cultures, what is foreign or not known, there's curiosity. Yeah. And I've always tried to keep a more curious mindset. Like, why do people live the lives that they live? Why have they made these decisions? Learning to really step into their shoes. Yeah. And I think that that's so hard for people. They almost feel like it's... Uh, Some people can feel like that's either sinful, like they're accepting it too much Mm -hmm. by trying to understand. Right. I think it's kind of sad that we've created a world in which just by trying to understand someone makes it seem like you are giving them uh, a a total biblical approval in their lifestyle. Can I jump in right there? Because (laughs) so you met you mentioned kind of you you touched base on the fact that in the message I I quoted this survey and. The survey was of LGBT people in the United States and asked how many of them were raised going to community of faith on a weekly basis from age zero to 18, how many of them left at some point after age 18. And in in the message I didn't share, but the number one reason that people, LGBT people left their childhood communities of faith was Mm -hmm. negative personal experience. Okay. And I always remember a quote from a young man named Ben. At the time of this survey, he was 29. And he said, I left the church because I could not find or I could not get one person to listen to my story. I mean, really listen. And that touches on what you just said and something I've shared. When you listen to someone and ask them questions about their experience or even say things, even if you don't agree with their choices, you can still say things like, that must have been hard for you. Tell me more about what that yeah. was like. It's like tell displaying me, empathy. Yes, tell mm-hmm. me more about when you started experiencing this. We're so afraid around this issue to do oh, that without yeah. realizing what we're... If we're affirming anything, mm-hmm. we're affirming the shared human experience of suffering. Yes. That yeah. we've all been through hard things yeah. and that we need to talk about those hard things and we need someone to listen. No. Yeah. And that goes along with, in James 1, I believe it's 19 to 20, it says, Brothers and sisters, 
Everyone should be slow to speak, mm -hmm. slow to become angry, and quick to listen. I don't think I said those in the right yeah, order, but yeah. that's what it says. For um, Oh, yes, because the slow to become angry is last, because then he says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. That's right. Yeah. And I think that's a great model yeah. for, for trying to be present with the love of Christ to your LGBT loved ones. Mm -hmm. Slow to speak quick to hear. Uh, in the ESV, actually, it says quick to hear, meaning I'm really, I'm not yeah. just listening. I'm yeah. taking in yes. what you're saying yes. Yes. and slow to become angry. I'm not going to get upset. I'm going to be here for you. I'm mm -hmm. going to love you. And I'm going to keep showing you the love of Christ. Yeah. Sometimes too, we don't always need to be quick to respond. Yes. I think just by like showing compassion, mm -hmm. showing love and taking things to prayer, Mm -hmm. is also a wonderful thing. And I, and I never want that to feel cliche when people are listening, but when we pray mm -hmm. for others, mm -hmm. we are allowing the Holy Spirit to do his work, mm -hmm. and it kind of pulls us out of the equation. And not to say that God doesn't want to use us, mm -hmm. but sometimes uh, we can have the misconception. We are the ones who are supposed to convict the world of, of, <laughs> of their behaviors or things that are not lining up to scripture. Yeah. But I can just speak from my own personal experiences in life as mm -hmm. being a believer. I am so thankful that the Holy Spirit has always been kind to me. Yeah. Clear in the moments I needed clarity. Mm -hmm. And he didn't try to like clean me up all at once. Yeah. He just took things one piece at a time. Mm -hmm. Because really the genuine things that needed to happen were beyond the sin, beyond the shame or the guilt. He needed to heal something inside yeah. of me. And I believe that you speak to that as well in your ministry. People are genuinely looking for healing. Mm -hmm. One of the statistics that you shared today, which was surprising, I, I think I could have really uh, wept and compassion with you stating it there, and it's going to stay with me. But about 74% of LGBT people who left the church would like to return. 76. 76, yeah. thank you. Yes. And then it's 27. Are open to returning. Are open to returning. Yep. What does that look like? You know, yeah. like they want to return. How, sh you know, what, what's a good step for them to return? And then what is a good response from the church? Those are two big right. questions. So why don't you break those down yeah. for us and kind of help us out? You know, how can, my, my whole thing is, if that is their desire, mm. how can we be better? Right. And I think when we present the trainings, I always stop and say, remember that that means 24% said, no way, mm -hmm. I am not open to returning. Yes. And in the survey, there were lots of expletives and exclamation points yeah. because, <laughs> because they left over negative personal experience. Yeah, and I think we need, to, we need to allow that to sink in for a moment, that that experience was so bad for them yeah. that they can't even be open yeah. to returning. For those who are open to returning, I, I meant to see if I had a quote in my book from a man named James. James is transgender in his 50s. I can't remember exactly where he lives. I think it might have been Oklahoma. But he said, you know, and this is a paraphrase, but in this, as part of this survey, he said, I never would have considered going back to church but my neighbors kept telling me that they love me because God loves me. No. And that they said it so many times that he, <laughs> he said, if you told me 10 years ago 
that I would be going back to church, I would have laughed in your face. And now he says he's there every week no. just because someone told him no. that God loves him. No. And the number, when, when the 76% were asked, what would it take for you to return? The number one answer was feeling loved. No. In fact, only 8% Mm-hmm. said my community of faith would need to change its theology. Wow. And, and another statistic from a different survey, so this is just LGB. There's a reason I'm using particular no, groupings. Um, groupings because to, to be true to the survey, this is Protestants who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual are two and a half times more likely to go to a non-affirming church than mm-hmm. they are to go to an affirming church. So to unpack that a little bit for no. those of you who might not know what that terminology is, we're here in New England. No. Just driving here 10 minutes from the hotel this morning, I passed several churches who on their little placards in the mm-hmm. front say they're open and affirming or they have a rainbow flag. All are welcome. Those are all synonymous for we, we're not going to tell you that engaging your same sex mm-hmm. attraction is a sin. You're mm-hmm. welcome here just as you are. We would we would. We're not going to comment on that. In fact, we would marry you. We would do whatever. That would be considered an affirming church. And a church like Bethel, New England, would be considered a non-affirming church, which as much as we don't like that terminology. But the interesting thing is Protestant, Christian, LGB Protestants are two and a half times more likely to come here. And I think there's they they don't unpack in the survey. The survey, that particular survey, a different survey, is about something else, and they don't unpack the reasoning. I'm always curious behind the reasoning, but that is interesting to know. I mean, I have theories, and one of them is that we, the Holy Spirit, who is truth, still guides people into all truth. And I don't believe you can leave out part of the truth of the Word of God without on some level disregarding the rest of yeah, it. Yeah, because there is, if the scripture is everything that the scripture says it is, it yep. is life-giving, yep. it is truth, even if the truth does not line up with our orientation or identity, it somehow feels right, mm-hmm. even though everyone says it should be wrong. Yeah. Because it is the eternal word of God. So yeah. it does something in all of us. I mean, this is not only something for people who identify as lesbian um, gay and transgender, this mm-hmm. is really for everyone mm-hmm. that the truth of the word of God is really what sets us free. And if people are looking for mm-hmm. internal freedom, not only from an identity, you know, we, we, we all struggle with sin as human beings. We all struggle yeah. with life. We all struggle with, uh, you know, what I would consider forms of spiritual attack. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a tough life to live. Mm-hmm. And so coming into the freedom of Jesus And coming into the truth of God's word has a more liberating experience Mm -hmm. than coming out of the closet. Yeah. And even, you know, getting back to that reason, feeling loved in, in the message, I unpack some quotes about what that, what that looks like specifically. But I, I was talking to a woman after church who's in a group that there's a young woman who's identifies as a lesbian in the group. And I Mm -hmm. said, just pray for an opportunity Pray for an opportunity to speak with her. Pray for an opportunity to yeah. love on her. Yes. Pray for an opportunity to invite her out to dinner. And then I said, and then just listen. Yeah. You know, back yeah. to young man Ben. He left the church because no one would listen. Just really listen and yeah. and, and pray and say, Holy Spirit, if there's like one little thing you want me to say, mm-hmm. or if what this person really needs in this first conversation yeah. 
is for me to just listen and show that I care. Yeah. Because listening is how you could potentially gain a place, a space to speak into their life. You no. haven't gained it yet. No, exactly. I say all the time, like, trust should be earned mm -hmm. and not given. We always talk about trust as, like, something you give out, like a free item. Right. Trust is earned because you are showing someone, I can be vulnerable and you are not damaging me mm -hmm. as I am giving those pieces of myself. Yeah. And anyone coming out of these particular lifestyles uh, would really just want the sense of, this is who I am right now. Right. And can you just love me? Especially yeah. when we've when they're speaking and yeah. saying, I left because of a negative personal experience. Yeah. I had yes. a negative personal experience with the church. I was yeah. hurt by the church. Yeah. Yeah. And so the church, you know, people yeah. need to gain my trust back. I, they need yeah. to show that they are trustworthy. No, and even in that search, I think as people do want to return. And if you're watching and you want to make that return, again, I just highly recommend uh, just come, you know, come to Bethel, New England, your organization also. We're going to highlight that as we wrap up in a moment so people can reach out to you as well if they're not part of uh, our church or live in this particular area. But again, it's like this is a place where we allow people to come and be transformed. No matter who you are, no matter what your struggle yeah. background is, let the Spirit of God do the work in your life that He can do. And that should be met by people who have a listening ear. Mm -hmm. That does not mean, and I always have to clarify this, I cannot control every person. Yeah. I can't control every response of other individuals. Um, if I do hear that people are being mean to people or saying things that are very like off limits to me, mm -hmm. I correct it. Yeah. But as a pastor, I find that difficult. Like yeah. my way of being with people is not everyone else's way. Mm -hmm. People were raised in different areas, backgrounds, cultures. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we are a multicultural church. People have different views and different ways of right. looking at this. But today and many other days, but today especially, and I'm thankful for you and your ministry, really kind of set a mark for us as to where we want to go with this. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, Brenna, I can honestly say you are someone I'm glad that we'll be partnering with as Bethel New England. Yeah. Why don't you just do a quick uh, plug for your ministry so people know where to find you. If sure. they need resources, I know that you offer things like mentorship to help people. Mm -hmm. If they do need that listening ear outside of the context of church, yeah. sometimes people are not ready for that. Yeah. Why don't you just share with us how people can get in touch with you? Sure. So we have a website. You ready? It's alive-in-christ.net. Yes, we have hyphens in our, yes, in our we, name. Yes, we, 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 we will put much. that somewhere on yep. the links for this for and, you to find yeah, it. Yeah, and we, we do have support groups both for people, individuals struggling with same-sex attraction and gender dysphoria as well as family members. You don't necessarily have to be local in New England. Mm -hmm. uh, one of our groups is an international women's group. We have people oh, coming great. from three nations. Yep. So you just reach out to us or if you're listening to this and you're not part of Bethel New England and you'd like to have us come out we would love to come out yeah uh, and we're we're already Pastor Eric and I are already dialoguing about how to partner in the future perhaps host a training or yeah, something like exactly that things of training we definitely want to get out another podcast in our future yeah Brenna thank you thank you for your voice um, your vulnerability in this of sharing mm -hmm. your story and then lastly just your commitment to Christ um, it really is an example to me and to many others, and I mm -hmm. appreciate you for that. So yeah. 
Uh, not only do you've got this, but you guys, you've got this <laughs> yeah. too. Thank you for joining us today. We wish you the best on the second half of your commute. This has been a longer episode, but we're glad that you've stayed tuned in with us for it. We can't wait to see you next time. If you have any questions or things that you want to pose to us about this episode, you can send that to podcast at BethelNE.com. Again, podcast altogether at BethelNE.com. Again, you got this. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of You Got This. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or just want to talk to somebody, email us at podcast at BethelNE.com and make sure you share this episode with everybody that you know. Subscribe to us on YouTube so you don't miss the next episode of You Got This, and we'll see you there.